Thank you for listening to the Spectrum of Health podcast. My name's Jav, and I just wanted to do a quick PSA to let you guys know the audio for this particular episode is not amazing. We had a few technical difficulties, which my editor could not recover. So unfortunately, the sound isn't the best, but we did try to do our best. So please, please, I hope you enjoy it and um, listen through. I also want to just have, uh, I just want to thank you. Uh, Thank you for listening, everybody, anybody who's listening. Um, Every single week, I see the views are just slowly creeping up and slow progress is better than no progress the podcast is just something that I do because I I love to have conversations I love to talk it's not necessarily about trying to get millions of views if I could get millions of views I'd be happy but I'm not going to bed thinking about that too much so um, anybody who listens just know that I sincerely appreciate um, all your support And on top of that, please don't forget to like, share, subscribe, no matter what platform you're listening to, whether that's Spotify, uh, Apple Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, whatever it is. It is all appreciated and all your support helps. Thank you so much. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Spectrum of Health podcast. My name's Javen. I'm an international online health and fitness coach. And if you want to increase your confidence, improve your self-development and have a bulletproof mindset, this is the podcast for you. Please don't forget to like, share and subscribe depending on whatever podcast app you are using. Today's episode is going to be amazing. I can't wait to get into it. Let's go. Welcome to the Spectrum of Health podcast. My name's Jav. Today, got a very special guest, someone I went to college with, amazing footballer. You probably follow her, Instagram, TikTok, influencer, 500k followers. I'm trying to get to her level. Professional footballer, bloody hell. You do a lot of things, man. Siobhan Wilson, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Why are you trying to gas me like that? No, because it's, it's true. It's true. It's facts. <laughs> it's facts. So yeah, how, how you been? How's everything? Yeah, good man. Just work and football. That's literally it. Busy mm. lifestyle, man. What about you? How you been? Yeah, good. Busy, busy. How's the season going so far? It's all right, you know. Considering we're still part-time, I think there's about four or five clubs in the league that have gone full-time. So it's difficult to compete, like especially when you're part-time, isn't it? But I think we're sitting fifth fifth now. Yeah. So yeah, we're doing we're doing all right. Yeah. We're, we're like top out of all the part-time teams, we're the highest. So okay. And then what about like what would you say like on a personal level? How would you say the season's going for you in terms of like performance? Good, you know, I've got five goals, so I'm joint top goal scorer. Actually. I swear. Yeah. <laughs> winger, winger. Okay, 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 cool. Yeah, and I got like four assists, I think. Okay. So obviously I wanna I wanna get a at least 10. I'm yeah. 10 goals by the end of the season. Yeah. A bit more, bit more assist, but... Double digits. Double digits. Yeah, 100. Come on. Cool. Well, firstly, thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it. I've been just looking to get as many good guests as possible. And obviously, I've known you for a minute now. Kind of worked together a little bit. So I just thought it would be really good to kind of get you on. Kind of just talk about a little bit about your background. And also, obviously, you're still playing professional sports, but stepping away from college sports and that transition as well and a little bit about your background so and your coaching as well so that'll be uh, that's kind of what I want to get into so basically I kind of want to know how did you get into football like what was your kind of introduction into sports and football as a kid 
Well, my dad actually played professionally back in the day. Like I, I don't, I don't even remember it because I was so young. He retired in like 2000, but he played for Tottenham, Chelsea, Man City. Jeez. Big yeah, clubs. Okay. Yeah. So he was at it. He was doing bits. So your dad was a big baller. Mm, yeah. So, but the thing is, like, he never. It wasn't a thing where he like forced it upon me to like kick ball. Like, it was never like that. I just picked it up. Like, and he always just say to me, he's like, I knew you was gonna be a footballer because when you was three years old, you was kicking the ball properly. Yeah. Was, like you weren't toe pointing it or nothing like that. And he was just like, yeah, I knew from when you were young that you would um, be a footballer. So, yeah, yeah man. Yeah. You know, I was toe punting the ball still. <laughs> Wait. So you're not gonna say his name. You're not, you're not gonna. You're not gonna say your dad's name. Oh, Clive Wilson, Clive Wilson. Clive Wilson. If you don't know who that is, go Google Clive Wilson. Okay, so, like, when did you start playing then? Obviously, you said you was kicking, you was kicking the ball well at three years old, but, like, when did, when is your, like, first memory of playing, like, organised sports? I think, if I can remember correctly, I started playing, like, competitively probably at the age of, like, seven or eight, just for a local team, Enfield Town. And I was there up until the age of about 15, maybe. Then from there, I went to Spurs, played for Spurs for like a few seasons. Then I ended up breaking into the first team. I was the youngest player. I think I was 17 or 18 at that point, um, playing for first team. And then, yeah, just went over to America. Right, um, okay. Over there at the age of 18 and yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. So hold on the American stuff. We're going to get get to that. Before we get to that though, <laughs> so so you was playing at a local team, ended up going to Tottenham, yeah? So, but during that period, like teenagers and stuff, what was, was there any secondary sports, like secondary school sports for girls, like football? Was there anything competitive or anything like that? Because I'm trying to think back to when I was in school. I don't think we had a women's football team. So I'm just trying to think. Yeah, but the thing was, I always used to play for like the year above. So it wasn't a thing where if I can't honestly, you're asking me to go back about like good like, 10 years now. <laughs> but like, I can remember playing for the year above. And I mean, it wasn't like we was lucky because the girls who were in the year above me, there was a couple of them who were playing for like competitively at the time. Like for oh, Watford fair. at that time, Watford had like a centre of excellence, right. like academy and stuff. So, to be fair, we had a pretty decent team, but we were just lucky to have players who, you know, yeah. were actually playing football. But apart from that, in my year, I don't think there was any girl who was like actually playing football like on a serious thing. Okay. You know what I mean? So yeah, it was just like one of them ones, you know, where the teacher goes around and just gathers as many players as she can. Yeah. So. Would, did your school like push you to play sports? Because obviously nowadays, you know, there's a big push for women's sports and trying to get more girls into sports. But like back then, were they pushing you to try and play sports? Or was it just a thing of like, you loved it, your dad your dad supported you to do it? Like Yeah, like, like I said, like I've been playing for as long as I can remember. But in, in like certain things, like there was like cross country, there was, I've done a bit of cross country, I've done a bit of, Athletics in athletics, I used to do the hurdles, hundred meter, two hundred meter relay, and I hated cross country. Like when I tell you, I hated it. And you're probably thinking, why? Like you play football, you run around for ninety minutes, but you know, running. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not the same, yeah, and it's not the same as well. So like, it was one of them ones when my teacher was like, she'd ask me and be like, no, I'm not on it. I, can't, I don't want to do it. Yeah. She'd be like, okay, cool. Well, if you 
I think there was a time where I had like an intention or something because I didn't want to peak it. She was like, cool, if you do cross country, then I won't give you the intention. And I was like, oh. <laughs> so she would like, she would like blackmail me into doing it, man. Yeah. But you know what? Yeah, I think yeah. it was hard. It was hard to get girls to do stuff, especially back then. I think now, I think a lot of girls are more exposed to it. But back then, there wasn't really that many girls involved in sport. Yeah. Yeah. Because even when I think back to like PE classes and stuff, the girls didn't want to do nothing. <laughs> no. And I think that the teachers, I don't know, like in my school, the teachers got to a point where I felt like they didn't even bother encouraging the girls to do anything. If they didn't bring their PE kit or whatever, like girls would purposely not bring their PE kit so they didn't have to do anything anyway. So yeah. 100%. Oh. That was me in swimming because right. I didn't want to get my hair wet. Right, I didn't want to get right. my hair wet. <laughs> <laughs> I was happy taking the detention. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Cool. So... So you get to 16, 17, you're playing in the first team for Tottenham, yeah? So obviously women's football now is a lot different like at the first team level. What was it like back then? Like the exposure, like how you were treated? So it was nowhere near what it is now. So just to put it into perspective, <laughs> we had, so our kit, like our that travel kit, like our training kit, was given to us from the men, but from like three seasons ago. Because <laughs> I couldn't afford to get our own kit. Like, that's how deep it was. So wow. um, we'd be wearing like, you know, like the um the football training pants, like they're tight and like, they're like yeah. really tight at the bottom, like yeah. ones. and it would have like first team on it and like the first team's names, initials and number. Wow. Um, but yeah, it was back then, like there wasn't, I mean, obviously there was money in it, but nowhere near what it is now and yeah. that is a big reason as to why I did end up going to America because yeah. if it was a thing where women's football was where it is now when I was 17, 18 I would have stayed here yeah. but because there was an opportunity to like progress and excel the way you can now I was just like well America's the place to be so right. that's the option I chose Okay so talk to me about that then like how did the opportunity to go to the States pop up like what was the what was the whole journey behind that? So I went to Southgate College, College in North London, and basically it was partnered with Tottenham Foundation. So obviously I'd go do my studies. I'm just doing like BTEC, level three, whatever it was. And then basically like we'd train every day and play obviously other college or other colleges throughout the week. But because it was partnered with Tottenham Foundation, we wear like Spurs kits and stuff. So obviously I was playing for th for them. And I was playing for actual Spurs at the same time. So I think, if I can remember correctly, there was someone came in to our college and done like a presentation on like American scholarships and stuff. And it was always something that like I've had in my mind that I wanted to do. And like, you know, like you watch Bend It Like Beckham and I was just like, yeah, I want to be like them. I want to go over to America. And then, yeah, I kind of just like, was just like, yeah, like why, why not? I mean, it was, when you think about it, it was a scary thing to do, like especially at the age of 18, to leave home, fly halfway across the world yeah. and be in a country on your own. Like it's madness. Like I think about it now and I'm what, 27? And I'm like, that's a mad concept. Nuts, like, isn't it? It is nuts. It's mad. But yeah, I just felt like where women's football was at that time, it was the right move just because women's football wasn't in the place that it's at now. So I was yeah. just like, yeah, yeah, let's go, let's do it. Yeah. So what did you have to do then? So obviously, did they come and look at your games? Did they? Did you send them video? 
Like, how did so, you actually, what was the actual process? It was, they held like a, um, like a trial. So it was a trial, like a massive, just a game with like loads of girls who wanted to go to America and the game got recorded and then it would get sent out to like loads of, loads of like the coaches and stuff in America. And then, yeah, I think then somehow they got in contact with you and then, yeah, you kind of just discuss or they would offer you something and then, yeah, you just kind of go from there, really. But yeah. I actually ended up going to a junior college first, that before, obviously, I met you at Georgia State. Yeah. And I was at a junior college for, like, two years. Um, so that's because of grades and stuff and, like, the way that the American school system works. Like, it's just, it's a madness. So, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the option that so, I went down. So did you have to do the SATs and all that? Yeah, I've done it. Failed. Failed like a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, so schools were terrible. Right. So could you have went straight to like a D1 college if you got the good grades? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. I don't remember what, what school it was. That I, no, it, it was Louisiana Tech. That was it. So that was where I was originally supposed to go. So I was supposed to go there. They offered me like a full scholarship I was just yeah. Like, yeah like you ain't got to pay nothing all you got to do is pay for your flat so I'm like sick like but it was like all you got to do is pass the SAT so I'm like alright cool so I think like I got a book like to just kind of help me with it and I'm looking at the questions I'm like I, don't, yeah. I ain't got a clue yeah. and maths ain't my strong point let me tell yeah. you that for free like yeah. maths I struggle with maths so I'm looking at these questions I'm like what is this and I tried everything like I, I think I got a tutor like I got I don't even know, but I was doing the madness, but yeah, still ended up failing. And you know how long them things are. It was literally like three hours long. Yeah. Them, them exams. But yeah, I think I've done it twice and I failed twice. So Yeah, no, I know what you mean. <laughs> them SATs, that was hard, man. And especially because I hadn't been in school for ages when I took mine. So I remember I didn't even want to pay for the book. So I just, I was going, I was on YouTube every day, just like doing like mock exams, just trying to get it right. So yeah, cool. So then, Obviously, you did the two years in the junior college. What was that experience like in terms of the lifestyle, the football, just being at a university, going to school again, all those kind of things? Well, obviously, I'd been to America before, like on holiday and stuff, but I'd, I'd been to like Florida, like yeah, na- nice places. So got, <laughs> yeah, so I had, I had got a perception in my head, didn't it, of America. I'm thinking, yes, do you know what I mean? Palm trees, like this, that, and the other, like sick lifestyle and the junior college I ended up going to was in Kansas so let's just compare Kansas and Florida yeah they're complete ends of the spectrum in it yeah <laughs> so I've turned up at this place now and I'm not even joking you it's like it was like you know in the movies when you when you see like the tumbleweeds like go across, <laughs> go across <the laughs> yeah so it was, I'm not even joking you, it's literally like that. In the middle of nowhere, I'd had to fly to somewhere, then get a connecting flight to somewhere and a connecting flight to somewhere else. Because it was in the middle of nowhere, there was no like direct flight there. And then the school itself was like an hour drive from the airport. So I just remember I'm, I'm in the car and I'm just looking and I'm just seeing like bare fields and just bare tractors and just land. And I'm like, this ain't America. This yeah, ain't America this is like, mad, yeah. the TV. Like. So, um, yeah, got there and obviously like it's mad, isn't it? Especially when you're that age and you're exposed to one, a completely different culture, a different lifestyle. And on top of that, you're in in an education system that you're not familiar with. It was hard. 
at the start, it was very hard at the start. And then on top of that, you're playing like football, you're training every day, not to mention in like 40 degree heat. So it's something that you're not used to, but it just, it takes a bit of time, just like anything when you adapt to a new environment. And then, yeah, it was just, I loved it. It was sick. Even though it was in the middle of nowhere and there was nothing going on. Yeah. Because everyone was in the same boat, boat, you just made fun somehow, some way. Like it was, yeah, it was sick. I loved it. What was the campus like? Was it a big campus or like a small, a small campus? No, it was tiny. It was literally tiny. I think it had, to be fair, like the, well, the co- the junior college I went to was called Hutchinson Community College and it's known for like being really good at basketball, American football. And it's quite good in terms of sports and stuff. Like they make it to nationals like every year. So like in terms of facilities, the facilities were unreal. Like they had um, like a massive American football like stadium. The I think the basketball stadium was one of the biggest junior college like basketball arenas in the country or something. But yeah, like it was unreal. Like, well, you know anyway, like the the like the resources and the equipment and everything yeah. they have in America is an absolute joke. So yeah. I was in awe and that's at a junior college. So Yeah. So you played two years there. So what how did you end up coming to Georgia State? Like what was the transition? What was the process for that? So obviously when you're at junior college, you're only there for two years, isn't it? And yeah. you go somewhere else and you finish your degree because obviously when you do your classes you get credits and yeah. you need to hit a certain amount of credits before you can then go to like a D1 a D2 whatever it is and I think what happened was there was someone who I knew who knew someone at Georgia State and the guy who was head coach there he was actually he's actually an English guy he's from like Luton or somewhere and I think I spoke to him on the phone. He was like, yeah, we want to get you down for a, a visit. And I think I won like a couple of awards in junior college anyway for like, I don't know, like playing with the season or yeah. something like that. So I went down there and obviously I'm going from Kansas now, where in the middle of nowhere to Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. So I turn up at Atlanta and I'm like, yeah, this is the America get, yeah. I'm talking about. So obviously, you know, like Atlanta airport is massive. So I'm just like, oh, like, this is sick. And then when you're flying in, you can see the city and it just looks unreal. So anyway, go to campus now. And because I'm so, you, when you think of like a university campus, it's kind of like separate to everything. From everything else, yeah. In obviously downtown Atlanta, the campus is actually in, in downtown, the city. Yeah. in the city. Like it's sick. So I'm there, I'm just like walking through downtown and I'm thinking oh this is sick like maybe like we're gonna get like a coach or something to the campus like and there's like no like the classrooms are here like in downtown I'm like sick so yeah went down for a visit saw everything and yeah I was just like yeah man I just felt like it was where I needed to be it was like the right time the right place like I just like the environment like the vibe like the whole thing and yeah just ended up obviously moving there got an apartment obviously in downtown literally 20 minute walk from campus and yeah it was just when I went there I was just like cool like this is this is the America I'm talking about yeah yeah. (laughs) this is what I'm seeing on the TV so then in terms of that then obviously you got to Atlanta you're in the city now so you're living closer to like 
I'll tell you what I felt like when I moved from Jersey to Atlanta because I was in New Jersey and I wasn't too far from New York, but I wasn't in the middle of nowhere. But it was like I'm from I'm from South London. I'm in a busy place. I went to New Jersey and it was kind of quiet. So when I moved to Atlanta, I'm like, okay, this is what I'm used to. But in terms of the football side of things, what was the difference between the junior college, like the level of football and the standards and everything, to when you got to Georgia State? Well, obviously, in terms of like, well, when you see junior college, it's technically it's at the bottom of the, how would you call it? The like bottom of pyramid, the pyramid, football pyramid. Yeah. Sort of. And D1's at the top, then you've got D2, you've got D3, then you've got NC, what, yeah. I don't know, NAI, there's yeah. loads of stuff, I don't know. So obviously, it's going to be a massive difference. But in terms of the level, I would say, there was more girls who could, who were there for football. Whereas in junior college, I think girls were playing football just so they could get a bit of a scholarship. Does that make right. sense? Yeah, yeah. So, so when you're at a D1 level, like you have to be able to play football. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You have to have some sort of athleticism about you. You have to be able to be somewhat technically good. Whereas in junior college, it's not really like that. But the one thing I did notice, like if we're talking about like level, I'm just going to relate it back to to English football. Like being coming from England, playing being brought up in England, playing football in England, and then coming over to America and playing football, it's two completely different games. Right. And I say that because in America it's it's more of a physical game 100% they don't focus as much on the tactical aspect of it or like the technical aspect of it it's very much physical like when I tell you I've never ran so much in my life that's what I tell people when, when they ask me about America I'm like boy you have to be fit Honestly, like I've never experienced anything like it in my life. And I remember doing two a days, waking up in the morning, going gym, then doing a run or some sort of fitness test, doing a little bit of football, going back, having lunch, then having to go back again at like three when it's boiling hot and then do another session. And that would last like two weeks. And I'm just like, what is this? (laughs) It's mad mad on the body, isn't it? It is mad. what is this? But it's probably when I'm, I'm that's probably the best shape I've ever been in in my whole entire life. Yeah, I could eat whatever I wanted. <laughs> and it didn't. It didn't matter, did it? It didn't matter. Honestly. It's true. So, like in terms of on a personal level, then like and even as even as a team, like over those two years of being in Georgia at Georgia State and playing on the women's soccer team, how what was the success like? Was your good team not so good? Like how would you describe it? And then, and then also for you on a personal level as well, like how do you feel like was you able to perform so on and so forth? Well, to be fair, I ha- I was quite unlucky with injuries when I was there. Okay. So I when when I transferred there, I got a back injury. So what I had done because obviously you know how the season's so short; it's literally like three months. So I think I could have played that first season, but. They redshirted me, and for those who don't know, that means you you're not like on the system, so to speak. Like you're not technically a player, and you get to save a year of eligibility because you get four years in total. So I didn't want to waste a year, so I basically redshirted my first season there. Then my second season, I was like, yes, like cool, like 
I'm gonna I'm gonna go, we're gonna do it. And then I think it was the season hadn't even started. It, it did start, but I don't think it was conference. And we went somewhere in Tennessee and I must have got absolutely rattled, like some defender absolutely rattled me and landed on my shoulder. And I just couldn't move and I thought, oh, I've dislocated it here. And then I got up and then obviously the physio came on. She's like, oh, like, take off your shirt. Like, I'll, so I could see like your shoulder. And she looked at me and said, nah, you ain't going back on. And I looked <laughs> down, I looked down and my collarbone was like, not poking at my skin, but it was just poking. And, I was like, uh... and I'm thinking, nah. So yeah, that completely broke me off. So... I ended up breaking it in like six pieces, had to get an operation. Jesus. Still got, still got the plate and the screws in there right now. And so when when I did originally do it, they said, yeah, like, you're done. Like, you won't be back in time for, yeah. like, you're done, isn't it? Yeah. And it was my senior year and I'm thinking, nah. So I think there was one game left. And I think a week before I went to the doctors and they like, we're looking at it and stuff. Because I remember when they said to me that like you're done for the year, I'm like, no, there's no way. There's no way. Like I'm playing one game at least. Like, yeah. It's not happening. Like it's not happening. I'm not leaving here not playing at least one game. Yeah. Seen, like no. Yeah, no that's way. mad. So anyway, like they said, I went and saw the doctor, and they said to me, yeah, like it's healed. It's not like fully, fully healed, but it's pretty much like eighty percent there. And I said to him, I said bro please <laughs> like it's like <laughs> senior year like it's senior night like please just let me play and anyway like after a bit of convincing he let me play did we win um, I can't remember but I ended up scoring anyway I ended up scoring on my last game I was happy about that so I yeah. went out bang but I mean I wish I could have had a bit more playing time especially at Georgia State because that was like where I feel like I enjoyed it the most in my yeah. time in America, but but you did so. But after that, didn't you have another year of eligibility? No, so I forgot to mention I went to Clayton State before. So basically, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I literally no joke. I always forget I went there, you know, because I was only there for like a year. So yeah, from Hutchinson, I went to Clayton State, which is still in Atlanta, still in um, Georgia, but it's just like south of Atlanta. It's about 30, 30 25 minutes from downtown. And I went there for a year, but I didn't really enjoy it that much, like the way it was like run and stuff. And then, yeah, that's that's why I went over. Oh, okay, okay. I completely forgot about that. I completely forgot about okay, that. Okay, okay. Yeah. I got you. I got you. So so you never really got to play at Georgia State? Like, you never no. really... Okay, no. okay. Cool. And then, so then in terms of like, obviously one big thing that I noticed, right, when I moved to the States was just like the big heavy emphasis on strength and conditioning and the fitness side of things. If you compare it to your time in England and even your time in junior college, when you got to Georgia State and even Clayton State, like in terms of what the strength coaches required for, from you, especially in the spring season, like how would you describe that transition and how would you describe it in terms of what you would experience in, the U- in England and what type of things were they making you do? Because I know the spring season for me, I, that's probably, I would rather just stay at home than, than do that. So Spring season, like you'll hate life. You'll question your whole existence in spring. Like, because you're not playing, like you're not, there's no competitive games. Like your spring season is just like, just to play games. Like they don't mean anything. Yeah. 
So when you're waking up at like four or five in the morning to have to go lift, you're like, what, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's yeah. so hard to stay motivated because you're like, what am I actually doing this for? But yeah, in the spring, I always struggle just simply for that reason. But in comparison to like, I'm just going to use it to obviously what we do at like Crystal Palace and stuff. But what I found was that in terms of lifting and stuff, I feel like it wasn't very sports specific based. I mean, a couple of the exercises were like, obviously you've got your back squats, hip thrust, like power stuff. But like it was, I just felt like it was more like, yeah, let's just, let's just get ripped. Let's just yeah. get absolutely ripped, get them as strong as we possibly can. And yeah, just get them like absolute powerhouses. Whereas now, like the way I'm lifting at Palace, it's very more sports specific, like specific to football. So yeah, like we still do back squats and hip thrust, but we do like lateral lunges. Like we do power in terms of jumping and stuff like that because I just felt like I was lifting like a bodybuilder there I'll be honest yeah, with you. yeah. and when you're lifting like that and you're playing a sport you're going to get slow and you're not going to be able to manoeuvre around the pitch as yeah, well yeah. whereas if you incorporate like dynamic movements and like exercises like lateral lunges or like single leg RDLs and stuff like that it's more sports based because like you in football, like you're chopping and changing, like you're changing position and you need those sorts of movements to change your body weight over a space of, space of time. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, that's, I would just say I felt like I was like literally like training to compete or something. Yeah. But, um, yeah. That's, that's the difference. No. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. I felt like that as well. It was just, just straight lift as heavy as you can. I felt like we were just training like the American football team. I felt like we were training like how they train. That's what it felt 100%, like. Um, 100%. And everyone was doing the same thing. So there was no like personalization to the programs unless you were injured. I just felt like everyone was just doing the same thing. So, and obviously everybody's body is different. So to have everybody doing the same thing just didn't quite make sense. So it then- wouldn't even, It wouldn't even be like, cause we do like at most four sets at most, but on average we do about three for each exercise. But it would be like six sets of back squats. And I'm yeah, just like, yeah. what? It's true. Uh, <laughs> and I'm thinking about it now. Like, I'm like, well, why were we doing this? But the thing is, I feel like over there, they just feel like everything they do is right. So it's you can't even question it because if you question it, people are look, like, they're looking at you like, you think you're better than everyone because you're from England or whatever. I'm like, no, it's just, it's just, <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. So I hope, I hope there's no Americans listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, they take it to heart. So yeah, like obviously after your senior year, what, obviously you had the injuries, what was on your mind? What were you thinking? Did you want to try and stay out there and try and play women's soccer out there? Do you want to go to just get into work life? Like what was you thinking? Well, in an ideal scenario, like, yeah, I did want to stay out there because I loved it out there. But the to go professionally in America as a woman is very difficult, just simply because the professional league or, like, to play at a good level out there, it's, like, very exclusive. There's only one league. You've got, what is it, the N- NWSL, is it? Women's? Yeah. Or NSL or something like that. So, obviously, they've got, like, the drafting system, don't they? So this is kind of where like there's teams and they pick players from like different universities and stuff. But in order to go in the draft, you've had to kind of had, had a good season and I didn't play. So I'm thinking there's no, like who's going to pick me up? Like yeah. I've got no stats, nothing. Like no yeah. one knows who I am. Yeah. So I had in my mind that I obviously I wanted to play and 
basically there was a girl that I knew who I played with at Clayton State. She was Spanish and she was from Barcelona. And she, I think she graduated like the year before me or something. And anyway, before I graduated from Georgia State, we was texting and she was like, oh, my coach, like she was playing for Malaga at the time. And they were playing in the second division in Spain. But they were doing like really well. They were like top and they were aiming for promotion to like La Liga one. So um, we was we were texting and stuff. And she was like, yeah, my coach is looking for players. Like, do you have any sort of footage like from this year? And obviously I had footage from the spring, but I only had a, like a tiny little bit from the, what is it? The fall, because like I said, I didn't play. Yeah. So I just had to gather as much as I possibly can, send it over. And he was just like, yeah, like when you're back, fly over. Like, want you to come over and like trial, innit? So I'm thinking, well, I ain't got nothing to lose. Like, and I think in January times, like to get a flight to Malaga, it wasn't even that expensive. It was like 60 quid or something. Yeah. So I was just like, fuck it, like, I'm just going to go. Yeah. Oh, so you came um, back to London first and then you went there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. I, so I graduated in, when was it? December 2017, maybe? Yeah, December 2017. And then came back, flew over to Malaga, like, just after the new year. And then, obviously, I was just like, well, I don't know, like, I could go and he could not like me, but... I was, I had in my mind anyway, I was like, no, nah, he ain't going to have a choice. <laughs> he ain't going to have a choice. Like, he's going to have to sign me. Like, yeah. so I'm going to do bits. Like, yeah. do bits. So, went over there for like a couple of days. I think I trained with him like two or, f- two or three days. And then, yeah, like he was on it. And then came back home, basically got my stuff within like two days, went back over there. Okay. So, but when you, when you graduated in the States, you never thought about, like, was there no, was there no opportunities to also trial at American clubs? Obviously, getting drafted is one way. Was there no way to trial at American clubs? Or was that not um, something? Not that, not that, I, not that I knew of. Because okay. I know, like in on the men's side, you can, in it. Like there's yeah. there's ways that you can do it. But I think if you want to play at a decent level, like you're, you got to go. Like what is it? Yeah, the women's national league or something. Right. I can't remember yeah. what it's called. But yeah. yeah. It's kind of the only option. And I I didn't want to play at, like, a rubbish level. Yeah, yeah. And then, so then at that time as well, you you were only thinking about continuing playing. You never thought, "Ah, I'm going to pack it in. Wait, what did you say again? I didn't hear you. At that time, you never, like, you never thought about, uh, like, packing it in. You just thought, okay, I'm definitely just going to keep playing. No. Okay. No, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, the injury set me back. I'm thinking, bro, like, I can't catch a break, like. But I was like, nah, because I knew, like, I'm supposed to be playing football. Like, yeah. um, I cannot not play. Yeah. Um, and I felt like I just had to, not that I feel like I had to, like, prove it to anyone, but more so myself. Yeah. Because especially the injury, I was just like, nah, like, I need to, I know that I can play at a top level. So I'm going to find any way possible to do it. To do it, and, yeah. Yeah, that's what I've done. So then when you got to Spain, yeah, what, what was that experience like? <laughs> if I'm being completely honest with you if I'm looking at it like from a perspective now I hated it really however however when you grow up a little bit and you look back on things and you analyse the situation I didn't make it easy for myself right I was very young naive just coming out of 
college, like living the lifestyle. And I'm not going to lie to you, I thought I was the shit. Because you just do at that age. Do you know yeah, what I mean? You think yeah. you know it all. Like you think you've got all your shit together. No. So now like I'm going into like a professional environment. Like, and I was, like I said, I was, I was very naive. I wasn't, I didn't make the situation easy for myself. I was kind of, even though there was girls on the team who could speak a bit of English, obviously like, what I probably should have done was I should have at least tried to teach myself the basics, the basic Spanish words of like pass, left, right, shoot, just basic stuff. And that would have made my experience so much easier. Yeah. But like I said, I was just in the headspace and I was very naive of me, me, me. It's all about me. Like I can't speak Spanish, so you should accommodate me. Yeah. No, that's not how life works. Yeah, of course. Um, so, I mean, the first three months were very difficult just simply because you're moving to another country that you don't understand anything. You're there on your own with no friends or family. I mean, it's different when you're moving to America because at least you can speak the language and you can make friends in it. Yeah. You can actually hold combo with someone. Yeah. But when you go somewhere and you can't speak a language... Oh my God, it's yeah. so lonely. Like it was yeah. so lonely. And like, obviously when there's, when there's like times where, you know, you don't have training or you have a free weekend, what am I doing? I can't go right. see my friends. Yeah. Where am I going? Where all the, all my other teammates, yeah, they're coming out, they're coming home to their family, they're out with their mates. I can't do that. So it was very mentally, it was probably the toughest period I've had in my life so far just because it made it opened my eyes to like a lot of things in terms of different culture the way people live the way people do things that not the way I think is the right way to think like other people can think differently but yeah like the first like I said the first two or three months were difficult and then I think yeah like the first two or three months I didn't even play I didn't really I'm just like there was a point in time I was just like, what am I here for then? And then I ended up getting into the team. I proved myself and then got into the team and then, yeah, ended up, got promoted and got to La Liga 1. So that's where you got Barcelona, you got Atletico Madrid, you got the top teams. So obviously season finished, came back home for the summer and I was just contemplating on what, what it was that I wanted to do. And then I thought, well, okay, like I've, I've proved myself now. So why not just go back and give it a go at like the top level? Now we're in the top league. Like, yeah, I hated it at the start, but like, let's go. Like, so made the decision to go back. And again, me being a young, naive and stupid and dumb, I didn't make it easy for myself because he basically brought in a lot of players. He brought in players that he knew, players that he'd played for him before and you know how it is in it yeah if a, if a manager doesn't like you it don't matter you can be Messi or Ronaldo but you ain't playing yeah if he doesn't yeah. like you yeah. as a person you ain't playing it's just how it is yeah so obviously he brought in another left back who had played for him for a while and yeah he just obviously favoured her over me but this is kind of where I look back on it and I should have had a different mentality. I should have been like, cool, like, 
you want to try to come in and take my space? No, you're not. But basically, I, re- I already had in my head, oh, she's going to take my position. I didn't believe in myself enough. And because I didn't do that, again, ended up not playing. And it got to a point where he didn't even put me in the team. Right. I wasn't even in the team. So I was just like, no, nah, this is dead. Like, what am I even here for? So then it got to like November and I'm like, I'm just sick of it. Like mentally, that was like the worst place I've ever been in. Like I was yeah. not even joking. I was depressed. Like, yeah. So I'm just like, I'm in a different country. I can't do nothing. I'm here for one thing and I don't even have that. So like, what the fuck am I here for? Yeah, there's no point. So yeah, like just kind of spoke to him and just said, look, like this ain't working out for me, bro. And then kind of agreed to terminate my contracts. And then spoke to my agent and, yeah, tried to sort out another club. And that's when I went to Italy. So, yeah. Okay. That so, was that experience. So, so, okay. So now Italy. You went yeah. from Spain to Italy. Yeah. Where did you go in Italy? It was a club called Susulo. They've okay. got men's team. Their men's team's in, like, Serie A. Okay. So, yeah, basically, I had an option. So it was either there or it was a team in Sweden but I chose Italy because I was like, yeah, cool. And I knew, and there was like two English girls on the team as well, so I was like, sick. Like, so went to Italy, met obviously the English girls. One of them I'm still really, really good mates with now. She's actually from Leeds. Like we, we speak like a lot. She's one of my really good friends. And anyway, got there, started playing and I must have rolled my ankle in oh. training. So obviously I went in there in, in January and it was only, the contract at the time was only until the end of the season. So, yeah, went there in Jan, and I think it was like Feb, March time, I rolled my ankle in training. And I, when I, I was out for the rest of the season, and I'm thinking, I cannot catch a break in this gaff. Like, was that I, bad, yeah? This, and then to this, and then I, yeah, like, it was peak. Like, I was wow. out for like a good eight weeks. And it was just like, it just wasn't getting better. Like, it just kept on swelling up tried to train on it and it was just not it just wasn't happening so it gets to a point where in your head you're just like when things just constantly go wrong for you especially like in sport you start questioning it you're like, yeah, oh, like is this actually what I'm supposed to be doing like how is it that I've got an injury in uh, I broke my collarbone then I've gone to Spain and I haven't been playing and then I've gone somewhere else and I'm injured again. Like you just start, your head just starts doing a madness. Yeah, it's long. It's long. <laughs> it's long. Yeah, and it's so mentally draining. Like so many people, I, I don't think they realise when you play a sport, like eighty percent of it is mental. Mm. Like it doesn't matter how good you are technically. Like if you don't have it up here, if you can't like. Be control it being control of this up here, forget it. Sure. And I know that, that you can relate to that. Yeah, for sure. And then so you couldn't play, and then what happened after that? So you just Bro, it's, it's my journey of it was mad now. So anyway, so I said, yeah, dead this. I'm tired of traveling. I just wanna be back home and try and get a team home. Because yeah. I've done it, I played at the top level in well technically not in America, but like in terms of like college-wise. Yeah, it's the top level, yeah. Top level in America, I played top level in Spain and played top level in Italy. So now I want to do it in my home country. Like, that's my dream. So come back home and I'm looking for clubs. 
And my agent's like, cool, like, I've got you a trial with Brighton. So I'm like, sick. And Brighton are in Women's Super League, the top league in, okay. in England, isn't it? So I'm like, sick. So the whole the whole um, summer, I'm, I'm just training on my own, getting ready for this for this trial. Because I'm having in my head, like, nah, I've got to get this. Like, yeah. Again, I owe it to myself to get this. So anyway, go to the trial. There was like five or six trialists there. And obviously the facilities were mad. They train at like, they have like breakfast, lunch at like the men's stadium. Like it was sick. Like the whole setup was sick. And I'm just like there. And I'm like, yeah, I can see myself. This is a bit of me. So I'm like, anyway, in training and whatever, like we had a couple sessions with them. And then they spoke to me on the last day. And they said, I think the trial ended and out of everyone, I was the only one they asked to come back for like, I think they had a game on the weekend, like a friendly and they wanted me, just me to come back for the friendly. So I'm thinking, okay, yeah, good like, signs, good signs. Obviously, like I'm, I'm, I've done something all right here. Like I think I've, I've done something here. So anyway, go back down there for this game and I'll just get thrown straight into the team. And obviously I don't know, no tactics, nothing. I don't know how they play. I've just been told, cool, you're playing left wing in a free up, up top. And that was it. And they gave me set pieces and that was it. And I'm thinking, nah. <laughs> so anyway, like I didn't play terrible. Like it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't like how I know that I can play in it. Yeah, yeah. So I think I played like 60 minutes or something like that. And then, yeah, obviously like I got on really well with all the girls and they're like, oh mate, like on it, there was like, Honestly, like Shiv, if you don't get a contract, then I don't know. Like everyone was saying it to me, and it's something in here. I'm just like, I hope so. Like, I hope so. So then, obviously, said bye to everyone. Spoke to the manager. She's like, Yeah, yeah, we'll be in touch. So next week rolls around. Agent calls me. You didn't make it. <laughs> no, I'm like, What do you mean? I didn't make it. Like I was the only one I asked back like yeah. and I was just baffed like even to this day I still don't understand it because I'm just like I don't I don't get it yeah. like the whole trial like I was just I felt like I was doing bits so by this time it was like late July August so everyone kind of had their team already yeah so season's I'm, about I'm to start like, isn't it? yeah so I'm trying to find a team nothing 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 and then I think Charlton was an option but there was like, obviously, we don't have no money. So like, you can come play for us, but we can't pay you nothing. So it was the only option I had. So I'm just like, fuck it. Like, I'm not not going to play football. Like, yeah. And obviously, Charlton are in Women's Championship, which is obviously equivalent to Men's Championship. So they're just below the Super League. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'll be still playing at a decent level, whatever. So I just went. So again, go there. And because obviously, they've already have, they already have an established team. It's hard when when you go into that sort of environment. It's hard to break into the break in, yeah. So I'm still trying. It's getting to like October. I'm still not getting in the team, and I'm just like, oh, like please, like. So then I ended up actually getting into the team like towards like November or whatever. But then I'm thinking this is putting me out of pocket a little bit because I live in North London and they train in South London. And for those of you who know. To get from north to south, it's a myth. Yeah. It takes like a, it's a long, hour. it's a long journey. So it's not close. <laughs> it's not close. So I just came with the there was girl, obviously girls on the team were getting paid in it. So I just kind of 
you know, like pose the question of like, you know, is there a possibility that I can get some sort of, I don't know, expenses or like whatever? Because I know you've probably used your budget. So they basically said no. However, there was a girl on the team at the time who had just left to go to another club. So I'm like, okay, well, you've got money then because there's a contract free there now. Yeah. 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 So anyway, they, they weren't budging. And then Palace came in for me in December. So I was just honest with Charlton in it. I was like, look, like I'm going to go down to Palace just to see what's going on. Like I'm not making the decision. Like I'm just letting you know, like out of respect, that's what I'm going to do. Because obviously I'm, I, was, I wasn't a regular starter in the team. Yeah. So I'm just Plus like, you're not getting no bread. So what? Me, they, I'm not like, yeah. what do I look like? Yeah. So, so anyway... Yeah, I go and you know, I, I go down to the train. I didn't actually train, but I went to the training, spoke to the gaffer and stuff, spoke to some of the girls, and it just felt right. Like the vibe that I got just felt like, yeah, like the energy that I got, like the whole atmosphere. I was just like, yeah. So next day, they, Palace offered me a contract. So I said to Charlton, I was like, cool, this is what Palace have offered me. If you can match it, I'll stay. Yeah. And they said, oh, I need to go back to the to the board and and see what's going on. So obviously you have to sign. In the January transfer window, you've got like what, like just the whole of January, that's it. And they yeah. were just on some long thing. And I'm just like, you either want to keep me or you don't. Oh, you like don't, if you yeah. can match it, if you can match it, then I will stay. And they were just taking long. So I just said, look, like if you can't do it, then I'm going. So yeah, I went and yeah, Literally, this is probably the point in my career where my football has actually taken off and is in. I'm in the position that I want to be in. So, yeah. as you can see, it's taken so many no's, so many knockbacks, so many mental breakdowns to get there. To get there, but you just have to like as shit as it is when you're in the situation, and as much as you want to say, Do you know what, fuck this. If you want something so bad, you will get there. You just have to overcome the barriers. That's yeah. literally it. Yeah. You that's have good. to be that's stronger than your feelings. Trust me. That's good though. So then like, obviously you're at Palace now. So you made it 10 years ago. You was at Tottenham first team. Now you're at Palace first team. From then till now, how would you describe the development of the women's game? How you're treated? The professionalism? And then also, so compare it to 10 years ago and then compare it to D1 college in America. Okay, so 10 years ago, I was having to bring my own, like, packed lunches to fill out my meals after games and shit. <laughs> That's how I think it was. <laughs> like, I'm not even joking, bro. Man, I have to back a little jam sandwich to eat after a game, man. <laughs> But no, like that's that just shows like the difference in it. So that I'm not even joking, that's how it was. And I was having to like buy my own stuff, like buy my own boots and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Whereas now I'm fortunate enough where I'm training at Crystal Palace's Academy. I'm getting protein shakes. I'm thankful and grateful that I don't have to pay for boots. I get boots from Puma, so I ain't got to worry about that. Like, I get kit provided for me. I get three pairs of kit. I ain't got to worry about that. I can train 
in the gym, like top facilities. We have an analysis room where we go in and sit and do analysis. We get access to the dome. We get access to this, to that. Whereas going back 10 years ago, we might as well have been training in a local park. (laughs) (laughs) Like we didn't have, it wasn't like that. But even now, the women's, Spurs women, obviously, they're literally in conjunction with the men. They train at the men's facility. Yeah, so it's changed now. There was no partnership between the women and the men. So women's football is most definitely heading in the right direction. However, I'm not going to lie to you. If anyone's listening, you can pay us a bit more. Right, right. Yeah, so the wages aren't quite there yet. It's sticky. It's it's difficult because there's an argument around, you know, like women should get paid the same as men. Like, no, they shouldn't. Really? Coming from a woman. Okay. Then do you know why? Do you know why? Do you know why? Should we get paid more than what we are right now? Of course. But I'm not expecting to get 300k a week. That's not what I'm saying. Right, right. I'm just saying that men should be paid more because of the exposure that they get and the opportunities that they get. So because they have exposure to like, they get shown on Sky Sports, like men's football is a, is a business. It's a money-making business. And so much money gets plowed into it through like sponsorships, TV, adverts, etc. that because of so much money is going into it, the players have got to be paid the players' pay has got to be a reflection of that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Whereas the exposure on the women's game, it's nowhere near that. Right. So you, we we can't expect you, we can't expect to sit here and say, yeah, we get we want to get paid for 100k a week. Like yeah. it's not happening because yeah. there's not enough money in it yeah. to do that. But yeah. should we get paid a bit more than what we are? 100. Yeah. 100. Yeah. And obviously, when you was at Charlton, you weren't getting paid, so you're having to work, right? Was yeah. that the same situation when you was at Palace as well? You have to work as well? Yeah, so I was working for Royal Mail as a postie. So I was working part-time, 25 hours a week, five-hour shifts a day. Honestly, like, if anyone's looking for a job, go be a postman because it'll keep you fit and it's good money and it's the easiest job you'll ever do. Yeah, hella um, steps. Must have been like yeah, 50 steps a day. Yeah, trust me. But because of that, because of how much I was walking... It was killing me. Right, your so body. I'd obviously, do that Monday to Friday, and I'd I think each shift I probably walk like seven, eight miles. Wow. And obviously, I'd train three days a week, so I'd get to training, and I'd be fucked. Yeah. Eight miles, and I've got to go run around for two hours, and I had yeah. to do that three times a week. So by the end of the week, I'd racked up all these miles in my legs, then had to play a 90 minute game on Sunday and I couldn't do it. Like I couldn't even last 60 minutes. Like when I tell you it would hit 60 minutes and my legs would just be gone. Yeah. And then there was a time where I was just like, this was last season. It was probably, probably around this time last year. Obviously I was still working for Romel and obviously I started my like online coaching and stuff. So I was juggling three things, football, work and my business. So I'm just like, I must have, not even joking, I must have had a breakdown in training, bro. Like, I was just there and I was just like, so like, just mentally exhausted from everything because I couldn't keep on juggling everything. And I had a breakdown and I was just like, something has to give because I can't keep on doing this. And it's not going to be football because it's what I love doing. It's not going to be my business because I enjoy it and it's what I'm passionate about. So it's going to have to be work. Even though it's my main income, 
it's got to go. Yeah. So, because I knew, I was like, if I want to progress in football and if I want to progress my business, that's just going to have to be put to the side. Like, yeah. I'm just going to have to take the risk. Like, because like one of them's got to go, innit? A hundred percent. And then also a trade-off. It's like a trade-off, innit? Because if you drop the the Royal Mail stuff, that's 25 hours to work on your business or 25 hours to dedicate more time to recovering and getting better for football or something. Exactly, exactly. But then the only thing is like, shit, well, where's my income? The money, yeah, yeah, the money. So what I had done, I made it a thing where I was like, all right, cool, like I'm going to save this much and once I get to this point, I'm leaving. Right. So then I know I've got a cushion just in case. Yeah. So I got that cushion and then it was in... July, I left and I was shitting it. I was like, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I'll be yeah. honest, I had no idea. And obviously, I had started TikTok a few months beforehand. But even like, forget the TikTok aspect of it. I just knew that when I was working, I remember there was just so many times I'm at work and I'm posting letters and I'm like, obviously no disrespect to anyone, but like, I'm just there like, I just, I just know I've got more to give. Like, yeah, like this, like for me, yeah, I don't yeah. Wanna, <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Like, I don't want to be a postwoman for the rest of my life. Like, I just knew that I had much bigger purpose, and yeah. there was just a lot more that I knew I could give. And I just weren't like, I just feel like I wasn't fulfilling my true potential. Yeah, like. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, man, I just had to take the risk and go for it. So then, like, before we get into the kind of you blowing up on TikTok and stuff, yeah? Like, in terms of the women's game, obviously now you're a professional. You're still part-time, but you're a professional. Are the games, are the championship games on TV at all? No, they are. They get streamed on, like, they've got an app. It's like the FA Women's Championship. Right. They get streamed on there. But, obviously, the Women's Super League, some of their games get... That's on TV. But the championship games, there's no TV for them. No. Okay. And then... But like, if you're on, a, but the cup games, if you got, if you make it far in like the cup games, some of them might get on mm. TV, right? Okay, mm. okay. And then you mentioned obviously like the investment side of things. But at Palace, you get to kind of share the facilities with the men, right? But you're tra- training at different times. Yeah, so it's hard because obviously because we're part time. Like some of the girls, obviously I'm self employed, so I can kind of yeah. work around football and stuff. Which is which is good, but some of the girls are teachers. Like a lot of people have full-time uh, jobs, like nine long hours, like nine to fives. Yeah, and then we train from eight to ten at night. Oh, so, okay. So we do that on a Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and then a game on a Sunday. Jesus, so that is a mad lifestyle. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. So some of the girls will obviously wake up at like. Seven o'clock in the morning, go work, be a teacher, do whatever, then go straight to training. Yeah. And I have to do that four times a week. Like, yeah. That's mad. It's, it's mad. It's very mad. And for me, obviously, because, I mean, it's kind of easier for me because, like I said, like I'm self-employed, so I don't literally have to go anywhere to work. I can work from home. But even so, like, I still don't get home till 11 o'clock at night. I wake up at eight, do whatever I need to do during the day, and then my day's not done until 11 o'clock when I'm back at home because it takes me an hour to get to training. Yes, yeah, that's a myth. Yeah, so... so it's a very long day. So really, what, what kind of needs to happen from an investment point of view is like they need to get to the point where all women can go full... full like a full-time wage, full-time salary, 
in order for them to at least be able to dedicate themselves to the game. But this is but this is this is the problem. So in order for a women's team to go full time, they need to have backing and investment from the men. So if you look at all the teams that are in the women's super league, like Arsenal, you've got Man United, you've got Man City, Chelsea, all of them teams have investment from the men. So like, just to give an example, in our league, last season, Leicester women, they were part-time. But last season, the men invested in them. They brought in a shitload of players, won the league, and now they're in Super League. Right. Okay. So that's kind of how right. it works. So you need the men's women's, Yeah, because women's the women's game alone doesn't bring in enough money in order yeah. for the women's team to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. So and it's, it's mad because obviously what I studied, I studied sports management when I went to sports administration when I went to Georgia State and actually had to do a case study on the women's game. And one of the things that I found was that like, so the argument that, yeah, cool, women don't bring in as much money as men is the reason why they shouldn't be paid the same. That was That's a valid argument, but a lot of people would argue that actually when it comes to the grassroots level, so we're talking about like your Sunday, your Sunday teams, your Saturday teams, like clubs, like, and this is not professional clubs, like just, just grassroots clubs. There's not money invested at that level for women to also have the quality, like better quality players, better quality facilities to match the boys. So therefore they can't bring in as much women. They can't raise the quality of the game and it's never, so they're not from an investment standpoint, they're not putting it in for women to even get to that level. So therefore they're never going to be able to get there because at the the very bottom level, it's not being matched. So that's kind of obviously one of the biggest stumbling blocks, but I've got one thing yeah, And someone, I had someone kind of get upset with me when I said this yeah, and you give me your opinion, but I think, I think women, and this is, I don't mean to be, and this is not disrespectful in the slightest. I think women's football should be played on a smaller pitch and smaller goals. And the Chelsea manager, I see the Chelsea manager say the same thing. So I'm not the only one that thinks this, but I think if it's played on a... Why, why, why? Because then everything will be quicker. Like sometimes you watch women's football, yeah? And if you shoot high, the keeper's not getting it because the goal's so big. Like it doesn't make sense to play. It doesn't make, like we all know uh, from a, from a phys- physical perspective, obviously, generally speaking, men are obviously faster, stronger, bigger. We're bigger human beings, right? So why should we expect the women to pu- to, pr- to produce as an exciting game on the same pitch that we play on? It doesn't make sense. The goals are bigger. The pitch is bigger. It doesn't make sense. If it's smaller, it's going to be way more exciting. Everyone's going to look quick. You're gonna, the, the goals, like sometimes the ball will be up there and they, they won't save it. And you know, if the goal was like maybe two inches smaller, they could have saved it or the shot would have went wide or it would have went over. So I just think it will make the game like more enticing. That's just my opinion. Isn't it? I, like, and that, I've yeah. got to be careful what I'm saying because I'm not trying to get cancer. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like I agree with what you're saying in the sense that obviously men, like biologically, men yeah. are faster, stronger and whatever. And we, we need to make the women's game exciting so people will pay. Like that's what I think. We've got to get the investment yeah, in. I think I think I've seen women's games and they are exciting. It is it is it is. 
but not across the board though. That's the, and I think that's a big no, difference. But this, right? it, but this, but this then goes back to the argument of let's say, for example, all the women's teams in my league were full time. If they were full time, they'd be able to attract much better players. Right. So yeah. the game would be much better. Like because yeah. there's still such a big gulf between right. and the second league. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so imagine all the players that are in the top league. That's their job. That's all they do. That's all they do. Whereas yeah. majority of the teams in the women's championship, we're out here working. Yeah. We're out here working nine to five. So you're never going to be able to compete with that. Yeah, you and can't match that, it. The facilities, etc. Like until, I mean, it's getting there. Because like I said, there's been a lot of teams in the past season or so who have gone full time. So there's more teams now that are going full time. Yeah. Um, and I think it's going to get to a point where teams are going to, where men are going to look at it, the men's side of the teams are going to look at it and be like, okay, well, we have no choice but to go full-time because yeah. the game is progressing so much. If we yeah. still want to keep a women's team and to keep them at a good level, we're going to have to invest in them. Yeah. Otherwise, they're not going to be able to compete. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Like, no, that makes sense. It's getting there. It will get there. Cool, man. So, yeah. Before I kind of wrap this up then, obviously what you're doing now, you're doing online coaching, going crazy on TikTok and your Instagram's growing. So I just want to, before I let you go, the last five or 10 minutes, kind of just talk to me about like how you started on TikTok. Obviously you're inspiring me. I'm just looking at your thing like, right, I need to get, I need to work out how to get these millions of views. So like, how did it start? What was the viral video that got you like bare views? How did you get, how did you, how have you managed to build up like so many followers on TikTok and Well, obviously, like when I came across TikTok or when it started to blow up, people were showing it to me. I'm like, nah, man, get this shit out of my face. Shit for kids, man. Like people yeah. just on there doing dances and that. I'm thinking, what, what do I need to come on that for? Like, so then basically it got to a point where I think I was just like, I'm just gonna start it just to kind of get more clients. Like I had no intention of like you know, anything coming of it. Like, I'm just like, I just, I'm going to do it to get more exposure, see if we can get more clients. So I was posting a couple of things here and there, posted one video, it done, like, quite decent, and then my following was growing. So I was like, oh, okay, like, I'm, you know, this is, this is building a little bit. And then I think one of the first big, like, videos that I got, it got, like, 50k views. And obviously, like, when you post and you get 50 like, oh my God, no, that's not yeah, you think it's not normal, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, that's a lot of views. And I would just post, obviously, like fitness tips, just little random stuff. And then, so I made it a thing where I was just like trying to post like regularly every day. And then there was a time I got back from work. I woke up from a nap because when I was working, I was like, I have to nap before training. Otherwise, yeah, I would just die. Over, yeah. I need to conserve some sort of energy. So I woke up from a nap and I was like, shit, I haven't recorded anything. I need to post. So I'm walking around, walking around, like trying to find good lighting, couldn't find a good lighting. So I was like, cool. So I went outside, sat in my car. And honestly, on the video, it looked like I'd probably, I'd been dragged through a hedge backwards. Like my hair was all <laughs> over the gas. Like I looked so tired. My hood was up. Anyway, I just started recording, literally minimal effort. Like I'm just there like da 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 talking, talking. So I remember I was, that night went to training and I was, I remember laying on the physio bed, I was getting treatment. And I was like, shit, I need to post this video. So I posted it, went to training, come back home, looked at it, and it was on like 100K. And I was like, oh, shit, like, it's on 100K. 
woke up the next morning, it was on half a million. And I'm thinking, nah. <laughs> End of the day, it's on two million views. And I'm like, two million views in 24 hours. Like, what the yeah. fuck? Yeah. So yeah, from then my shit just started popping. I just got so many followers, and then I think now it's currently sitting on like eight point six million views or something. Silly. Wow. So yeah, then obviously then I just you know like started posting more, got more following, and I think I started TikTok. It must have been like maybe just under a year ago now. Yeah. Not even. So I don't. I don't think it's been a year. Yeah. And or maybe it has been a year, maybe just over a year, I'm not sure. But yeah, so now I've got I think last time I checked five sixty, five hundred and sixty K Jeez. And it's just like and it's mainly fitness content, yeah. Yeah. So I do like obviously like fitness tips, weight loss tips, like do some skits, some funny content, just yeah. anything surrounding fitness really. Yeah, um, and and in and, yeah. and then in terms of like how would you say that that's enables you to be a bit more comfortable from a financial perspective to kind of be able to step away from the Royal Mail job and support your football stuff as well? A hundred percent. Because like I said to you before, like I knew that I was, there was more for me to give. Because I yeah. remember I was on my round and I was basically where I used to deliver, I used to deliver on a high street in shops. And I remember I was giving, I was in a shop and I gave someone their post and I was like, oh my God, you're that girl off TikTok. And I'm like, I'm just like, right. Yeah. I can do something with this here. If I'm yeah, yeah. when I'm out, like there's been there's And you know what's mad? You know you know what's so mad, yeah? I don't even have nearly as many followers as you. And I get that same thing, yeah. Like I went to co-op the other day and I was getting I was, I was charging my, my electric key and the guy at the till, he was like, Oh, you do the videos about football, innit? I was like, I was like, yeah, yeah, I did a couple of videos about football. So, so it's funny you say that. It's mad. It's mad. Like, every time, I'm not even joking, every time I go out in London, like, I get recognised. I went to yeah. Wonderland. I'm queuing up for a ride. Some girl turns to me and she's like, oh, you're that girl off TikTok. <laughs> and then I went, I was in Manchester and I was in the cinema and I was. I went up to go get some popcorn and I get a tap on my shoulder. I'm like, what? And this woman, she's like, oh, my God, like, my daughter's over there. She loves your videos. And I'm just like... This is mad. Like, <laughs> it's so surreal, but it's just like I forget. I'm like, shit, you got 550k. That's, yeah, that's a lot of people. Of yeah, that's a yeah. lot of people. Like, yeah. but it's, yeah, it's it's surreal to me. It's surreal. Yeah. So like, right now, then, in terms of how you're managing it, is it just you just post whenever you feel like it? Do you stick to like a regiment? Do you have like a marketing strategy? Because some people take like the posted and stuff like mad serious. Like they'll post at certain times, X amount of videos per week. Or is it just, you'll make a, you'll batch create a few videos and just post them throughout, throughout the yeah, week. Yeah, so like on a Monday, Mondays are my days to record content. So I record on Mondays. It's not really, I don't have like a specific thing. Like I kind of just, I'm like, okay, well, what can I talk about this week? And then I'll just write that down. And then maybe like sometimes during the week when I go to the gym, I'll do some sort of content in there. Just so then like throughout the week, I'm not like scrambling to like post something because obviously people are following me because they want to see my content. So I have to give the people what they're following me for. So I can't just stop recording or stop posting content. So yeah, like that's, but again, like I, I love doing it. Like yeah. sometimes there are times where I'm just like, oh, I can't be asked to stand and talk in front of the camera today. Yeah. But 
that's with everything. I'm sure everyone gets them days like with everything that they love. There's sometimes it, it does get like quite tedious, but yeah, yeah, 80, 80 to ninety percent of the time, I love doing it. Yeah, I love doing it. And when you have a job that you love and that pays you as well, yeah, you, you can do it. Yeah. And then, so would you say that kind of the TikTok blowing up has made the Instagram start to blow up? Like it's had a trickle effect. A hundred percent. So. I was basically, I was posting good content before on Instagram, but it wasn't engaging. There's a difference between posting good content and posting engaging content. So I remember I was posting, I'm like, why am I not getting followers? I'm not getting no like engagement. And I started posting reels. And then from there, like my following just kind of blew up from there as well. And obviously off the back of that, it helps me get more clients because I've got more like exposure. So yeah, and then off the back of that too, you get brand deals, brands wanting to work with you, um, sponsorship deals, ambassador campaigns. Like the other day I went to a Boohoo event in Oxford Street. Like just, yeah, it's sick, man. It's sick. I absolutely love it. So I can't complain at all. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So lastly then, before I let you go, the coaching, obviously. So at the minute, Obviously, you're juggling quite a few hats with the football kind of basically influencer life and then and then the coaching. In terms of that front, kind of just talk to me a little bit or like some of the listeners to kind of explain to them what you do and yeah, like what you deliver, what your service is, and also how they can reach you and find you. I will put your details in the description, obviously. So basically I do online coaching, which is literally basically the exact same thing as what you do. But yeah, everything's like personalised specifically to you and what it is that you want to achieve, like your fitness goal. So personalised training plan, personalised nutrition plan, accountability, support and guidance, loads of resources to help you along the way. And it's kind of just to help people realise that if you... The best way I can put it is that what works for one doesn't necessarily work for another yeah so it's important to get some sort of plan or like training plan or guide that is specific to you and what it is that you want to achieve because everybody's body's different everybody's body reacts differently to different things so what would work for me to lose weight may not necessarily work for another person yeah i'm built different to you like my metabolism may be quicker than yours like so it's kind of and it's about making weight loss and your fitness journey like healthy and sustainable. It's not like something mad where I'm telling you to cut out a million things in order to lose weight. Like it will be something that you actually enjoy, something that you actually like doing because in that way you'll be more likely to stick to, to it. stick to it. <laughs> Cause if you hate it, you're not going to stick to it. And that's mm. why a lot of people can't, stick to their diets can't stick to their training routines because it's just not realistic so yeah it's about just giving realistic training realistic nutrition advice and yeah getting you where you want to be but making sure that you understand that it's going to take time yeah but if you're consistent and patient with it then there should be no reason why you can't um, see results so Yeah. yeah and that's that's the big thing isn't it like people need to realize it's not a quick fix it's it's about building the habits. And I think sometimes coming from a sporting background, people think, oh, that is easy for us. But like, 
it's not in a sense because sometimes I don't want to train. Like, I don't want to train every day. Like, 100%. I don't want to train every day, but I just do it because you just get used to it and it becomes a habit. And then you start to, it just becomes ingrained. I, was, I like to use the analogy of like, when you're little and sometimes so you get some kids that don't like brushing their teeth and their mum's like, brush your teeth, brush your teeth. Then they get a bit older, then they just start brushing their teeth by themselves. Their mum doesn't tell them anymore. Mm. That's what we call like a external external accountability becoming an internal habit. And I think when you get to that stage, it just becomes easier. Like you ain't got to think about it too much. 100%. Cool. So yeah, where can the people find you? Instagram, TikTok, at Wilson Coaching. Yeah, TikTok is Wilson Coaching, but my Instagram is Wilson Coaching UK. Okay, cool. Well, I'm going to make sure I put your details in the description. Not that everyone knows where to find you anyway. So they've, <laughs> they've, probably, they've probably seen your videos. So <laughs> nothing, to, nothing to worry about there. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. I really, really appreciate it. I really appreciate you jumping on. Thank you yeah. for having me. That is episode... 22 I think episode 22 the Spectrum of Health podcast big up Shiv good luck this season for the rest of the season thank you and yeah appreciate it Uh, guys don't forget to like share subscribe and all that good stuff and yeah see you soon peace thank you for listening to the Spectrum of Health podcast If you are someone who has been struggling to get in shape, you want to lose some body fat, you want to feel better about yourself and you want to build some lean muscle mass as well as transforming your confidence, don't hesitate to reach out to me on my social media and just ping me a message. I'll get back to you as soon as you can. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe and tag me. Okay, tag me. I really appreciate all the support. Watch out for next week's episode. See you later.